0: So we launched the product in 2019. We, I think we'd have hit a million revenue in uh, 2020.
1: You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. Hey, folks. My guest today is Shonak Roy. He's the founder and CEO of Yellowdig, a community-driven active learning platform adopted by over 130 colleges and universities, K-12 schools, and corporate training clients. Their mission is to transform every classroom into an active and experimental learning community. Shanak, you ready to take us to the top? Yep. Happy All to right, be here. So, so who's paying for this? Is it the universities directly or is it the students?
0: Uh, we have both. So in some cases, universities pay for it, but a lot of the cases, students will directly pay Either through the bookstore or they will pay through a credit card.
1: How do you manage it? I mean, those are very different sales motions. Schools are hard to sell. Students, you know, it's easy to sell, but they churn way more.
0: That's right. So we make it easy for our clients to adopt our technology. So if you imagine, um, you know, our most of our clients are higher education institutions, um, and they have long sales cycles. So we make it easy for any professor who wants to use that technology. They can either go to the institution and say if they want to buy a license. So we, in that case, would sell an enterprise license directly to the school. um, And we have many clients like that. Uh, But otherwise, if the professor themselves just want to try it, they can go to their bookstore, like a Barnes & Nobles, um, and look for Yellowdick. We are are a Barnes & Nobles partner, so we are pretty much in all over the country. So just the way you will buy a textbook, you'll buy Mm -hmm. Yellowdick. And you can add it into the learning management system and use it in the classroom. Um, so in that case, you know, the bookstore would kind of directly kind of charge the students through the you know system that are already in place.
1: So if you look at all your revenue from last year, what percent was direct to consumer versus through the school?
0: Direct to consumer is a new uh, business model for us. Uh, we launched it in the beginning of 2020, so that's a segment which is growing for us right now. We expect that to grow rapidly in this year, uh, but right now I would say it's about 20% of our revenue.
1: Okay, so 20% is the teacher watching into Barnes & Noble or the student walking into Barnes & Noble. The other 80% is direct to the university. That's right. Okay, interesting. Um, So let's talk about that. What does the average university pay you per month or per year to use Yellowdig?
0: So our pricing is uh, by the course. So the way the product is used is uh, a faculty or a group of faculties would decide to use Yellowdig as they're teaching any subject area. So the decision is at a course level. So essentially the pricing is also at a course level. So for one student to take use Yellowdig in one course is $12.95. Um, and that's how... For the student or for it.
1: the university?
0: Um, it would be either the student or the university. It could, you know, payment could come from anywhere, but that's the price. Yeah, for, but don't you give,
1: imagine if a university is signing up, it's probably for 5,000 students. You're not going to charge them the full, full rate, are you?
0: Uh, we do give good discounts. Uh, so we have volume discounts in place, depending on as they scale with us, we give them a variety of discounts to kind of incentivize them to kind of, you know broaden the usage.
1: Mm-hmm. So like if I'm going to, I mean, w- what is your biggest university? How many seats do they pay for?
0: So, you know, we, I mean, biggest university, I would say Arizona State is a big client of us. You know, they were one of our first you know, users of the platform. Um, and we have an enterprise license with Arizona. So that's a very unique model, you know, for sponsoring initial clients. Um, So usage of of course grown over the years, you know, in the University of Arizona, but, uh, but for us, for, uh, you know, we have over 130 universities now. So depending on every school has, sometimes, you know, one school has three different licensing models. Sometimes like Department of Arts and Sciences actually bought the student license. So the students are directly playing, but maybe for another business school, they have an enterprise license where they are paying for the entire school uh, to us.
1: I see. Got it. So what, I guess, Let's, let's just talk about the 80% of revenue that comes from these 830 universities. What, what is the, I guess, how many paid seats across all 830 universities? Maybe that's the right question.
0: So right last year, we had about 200,000 uh, students who used our platform in a variety of ways. So some of them were part of uh, enterprise license. Some of them were direct student pay. Uh, so that's how, uh, that's a total pool. Um, and in terms of our uh, pricing, of course, you know if the, the university has adopted us, they, their pricing is lower than a school that is using us in a couple of courses or programs.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I'm asking. So, ignore the total pool of two hundred thousand. You're saying eighty percent of that, so about hundred and what hundred and sixty thousand is coming directly through an enterprise deal with the school. Yeah, roughly speaking. Okay, got it. So if I take 160,000 seats divided by what, 830, that means the average number of seats is about 200 per university?
0: Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that sounds reasonable.
1: Okay. So if, I, if a university is listening right now, and they reach out to you and sign up, what are you going to charge them per seat for 200, if a 200 seat deal?
0: So for us, 200 seats. Uh, the first question is: Are those 200 students in the same class? So sometimes we start with an intro level class where you know they have a 200 to 500 students in the same course. So in that case, it would be 12.95 per student per course. Uh, that's how they will get started. If it's across five courses, uh, so then you know, let's say you know a student you know is going to use Yellowdick for the entire program and they're taking let's say five courses for that program. In that case, they have to pay Yellowdick five times. That's how, you know, how, that's how it's designed. Um, so, yeah. So if, if they're starting small, like 200 seats, uh, you know, that would be our out of the box, essentially consumer price. But then if they scale with us, you know, depending on how big the school is, what type of a commitment they want to make, you know, we have contracts ranging from one year to five years. So depending on the size and length of contracts, uh, we would probably give them some incentives to, you know, adopt us at scale.
1: Don't name the customer because this is a more sensitive question, but what is your largest customer pay you per year right now?
0: Um, our largest customer, I think, you know, over $300,000 a year.
1: Per year. Okay. And that is what? 10,000 seats, 1,000 seats? Um,
0: I don't have the number, but they are pretty okay. big. Yeah.
1: Okay. Interesting. Give me more of the backstory here. When did you launch this? I launched Yellow Lake back in 2015.
0: Uh, But we went through a pivot in 2019. So the first generation of the product was in the market for about three years. Uh, I thought we did quite well, but there were some challenges we were running into. So we decided to kind of rebuild the platform slightly in a different direction and launched it in 2019. And that's the product we are scaling now.
1: Okay, got it. How did you, I mean, obviously, I mean, unless you're like rich and you just keep investing your own money, you probably had to raise to get through a pivot or if not, how did you do that?
0: Uh, So we are venture backed. So we have raised money from venture capitalists.
1: So when was the last fundraise?
0: We have raised about $6 uh, to let. Um, so out of that, some of that was in the initial launch of the platform, and some of that was um, when we uh, launched. So
1: how much second. did you raise in the first 2015, 2016?
0: I think it was like $2, 2500000 that time, and the remaining $3.5 was during the pivot.
1: And, and so 2019, you raised another three point five.
0: Yeah, we have raised actually over the last couple of years. Uh, we have raised in tranches. So we didn't raise the entire capital in one go.
1: I see. Got it. But generally speaking, 2.5 at start, 3.5 million during the pivot. Roughly speaking, yeah. And why, do, why, do you, why is this software that capital intensive? Why couldn't you bootstrap?
0: Um, it's a great question. So I think, uh, you know, one thing about, so we are in this space called education technology. You know, think about education technology. It's more like healthcare technology. Uh, there is some initial hurdles to be able to launch a product in the market. So if you think about it, like uh, it's a highly regulated space. Uh, the technology that is being adopted has to comply by the existing regulations, like FERPA is a very well-known regulation. The other is ADA compliance. Um, there, are a few co- you know, there are a lot of data security and compliance uh, in place. Even if you want to sell like five pieces of license for school, you have to be compliant in all of them. Otherwise, you can't sell. So there are um, significant investments that are needed to be able to comply with those regulations in terms of product processes and how we support our clients. Uh, The other piece I would say is that there are um, also significant investments needed uh, around uh, studying the efficacy of any edtech solution. So if you think about healthcare, like if you're building a drug, then if you're giving it to the patients, you you need to know that what's the impact of the drug. So especially in edtech, if it's uh, in classroom learning, it is important to know the impact of that technology to the students. So we have done over 12 studies uh, with our variety of partners and third parties to prove the value of the product before we could scale the technology. I see. So the early investment was quite significant for us to get into this space.
1: Yep, yep. And were you the sole founder at the start, 100%? Uh, That's right. And then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products. That's plural forward slash valuations. Again, both plural founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. When you look at so obviously uh, someone signing up for one seat is going to pay the full twelve dollars fifty cents a seat for one class, but someone signing up for a thousand seats, you're giving a discount too. If you look at the average across all your paid seats, what would you say the average paid you know, seat is? It's
0: very hard to say. Uh, I haven't. I don't have the number right now with me. Okay. okay. Yeah, the, the average is definitely lower than twelve ninety five.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the reason I'm asking, right? So I'm trying to back into your revenue, right? If you have two hundred thousand paid seats. At 12 bucks per month per seat. It's 2.4 million bucks a month in revenue. I'd love for you to be there one day. I don't think you're there yet though.
0: Yes. Uh so that's a good point. Um, so it's just a couple of other things to mention here is the 1295 is for per course. A course can run between three and four months. So we that's one price you pay for the entire usage in that particular course. So it's not by month.
1: Uh oh, so- it's just got it. So the course could be for six months. It could be for six months. Most
0: courses are for three months, four months. Um, So that's how we price it. Because you know, if a student buys it for a course and if we charge them per month, so this month they have access. Next month, for whatever reason, they can't pay for it. It's not fair to them not to have access to that platform uh, for that particular course. So we pay for the entire course, or they pay for the entire course to adopt the technology. Um, The other thing to keep in mind is that um, you know it's also um, you know when students are when we when I say two hundred thousand users, I mean. These students, they will take one course in the fall, maybe one course in the the spring, or they might take one or two courses in the year. So there's a lot of variety here. So essentially, it's not that they are using in every month. So depending on where they're taking courses, they're using a technology and they're paying for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's another thing to point out.
1: Got it. Well, do you remember, I guess there's a lot of complications there. It's hard to scrub back into it. But do you remember the first year you hit, maybe it was recently when you hit a million bucks in revenue?
0: So we launched the product in 2019. We, I think we'd have hit a million revenue in uh, 2020.
1: And what do you think you guys uh, will do this year?
0: This year we would do... Uh, actually, you know what? I'm not going to share the numbers right now for a few reasons, but uh, we are going to do pretty well this year because the market is pretty hot right now for EdTech. Uh, schools are looking for these kind of products uh, in the market.
1: How do you model this though, right? If I mean by nature this is a product where there's churn because you start a course you end a course and SaaS, to get a great valuation obviously you want very low churn in fact you want an end dollar retention above 30, 40 percent how do you tell that story and you know your series a deck your series b deck since you're on the venture path
0: it's a great question so for us the way we look at the business is uh, adoption at a particular course so let's say a university wants to just try us and they launch us into a set of courses um, and we get paid for that i mean that is something what we call as courseware revenue we track that separately from arr which is our contracted revenue 1 to 5 year contracts so typically what we find is that when a uh, school starts with our you know using our technology let's say in a few courses it takes them about 1 to 2 years to be able to get enough data to buy an enterprise license so our enterprise license is always a go we want to sign up 5 year deals with you know all our clients but we take them through the journey of in terms of land and expand to that enterprise level. So that's the business model for us. You know, we launch into schools and we have seen that and proven that model is, you know, it takes about some time for them to try the product that they buy and, you know, universities, as you know, are very conservative, right? They're not buying technology and adopting it overnight because they really want to make sure they're using the right tools for their students. So this land and expand model helps us to actually get in quickly without a long sales cycle, prove the product, show the data, show the efficacy, and then kind of sign a bigger deal with them. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And, and the last tranche of the three-point, because you mentioned it was rolling, of the 3.5 million you raised, when did you close the last tranche of that? Uh, six months back. So are you looking now at doing a formal Series B? Yeah, we are going to do a, a bigger round this year. I see. Got it. How much are you targeting to raise? Obviously, it'll change depending on the terms, but what, what are you targeting?
0: Uh, I think maybe in the you know, 10 plus million, 10 to 20 in that range.
1: Hmm. And I mean, don't if you're gonna go raise like 10 million and sell the you know the average 10-20 percent of your business, you got to be able to validate a hundred million dollar valuation. I mean, what do you think you have to grow revenue to in order to get and be able to tell a story of a hundred million valuation?
0: Well, I mean, if you get a hundred million valuation, that would be great. But uh, you know, it's I, I would say the the real story here is this, which is um, you know, in education. Uh, the the hardest thing to do in education, just like in healthcare, right? If you if you look at a healthcare product, like the key thing is the product. Do right? you have the product that you can sell, and but that does it work? So
1: we have. A I mean, I, w- I would disagree with that for healthcare and ed tech. I would say distribution is way more important. There's a lot of subpar products that have better distribution that are winning. In education, in education and healthcare, because the sales cycles are so long, it's so difficult to convince these buyers to buy big big deals like you have
0: yeah so 100% so, i mean you know sales cycles are also very very important but you know in edtech there are so many companies there are so many technologies available showing the product that really works is also very important and and that is where a lot of investments go initially so we have a product that works really well i mean we have done studies now with you know as i said over 12 universities uh, we we drive higher retention higher engagement you know in a pretty high level and that has a huge impact on the school so you know, I think our biggest advantage right now is that we have that technology that works. Now, of course, in terms of sales and you know building up a sales force to be able to scale it to every colleges and universities. I mean, that's where the investment is going to go. So, you know, edtech is quite different from let's say an e-commerce side where you can you know set up a site and you know sell things online, which is it's low friction to kind of get into business. But edtech has a slightly different uh, way of kind of you know scaling. Of business.
1: course, yeah. What's your what's your team size today?
0: We have about 30 people in the
1: okay. team now. And any quota carrying sales reps or no?
0: Yeah, we have a sales team of about five people now.
1: They all carry That's a quota? There. Yeah. How did you come up with that? A lot of people struggle to scale a sales team. Um,
0: you mean like scaling the team? Into How did you come up the with right the team?
1: quota? Yeah, the initial, the initial targets for new new sales hires.
0: Um, we, you know, I mean, just to be, we have to be realistic. So, you know, when we started the process, we started scaling the team last year. So, the you know, last year's goal was to get kind a of build up the pipeline and build a relationship. So, you know, flexible. Year one, we are very flexible. Year two onwards, we start to put a quote on top based on what we see some of the salespeople. I mean, if you hire five people, if somebody is kind of going and hitting a certain number, we know that that's possible. That's kind of when we play for year two, that's kind of the bar we set for the rest of the team.
1: Of the 30 people, how many are engineers?
0: um about like 12 people are engineers abroad in the engineering team
1: okay interesting okay very cool so so looking at raising past called a million dollar run rate in 2020 um you know if to be able to go out and do it go from a 3.5 series a to 10 million you know you got to be at, i mean I, I would say at least tripling at this stage so i mean do you guys think you can get above six seven million bucks in ARR this contracted ar this year
0: uh we'll see you know it's uh hard, hard to say right now but yeah of course we are Talking to a lot of people right now, uh, so we'll see how quickly we can grow. But
1: it, yeah, was it fair to say since? Is it fair to say since 2020 though? You've grown at least 100 percent year over year since 2020. Last yeah, year, so 24 months ago. No, 2020. That would be two years ago. That's right. Um,
0: if we look at yeah, it was close to 100 percent. I I don't know whether it's 100% exactly what you're close to that number.
1: Around. Got it. So you go from a million to 2 million to around 4 million today, hoping to continue to scale past there. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we're expecting. um, Interesting. Well, that's a heck of a story. I'm rooting for you guys, though. In the meantime, let's wrap up here with The Famous Five. Number one, favorite business book? Um, Good to Great. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
0: Uh, I love Elon Musk.
1: Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? Slack. And number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I get plenty of sleep, eight hours. Eight hours, knock. Okay, very good. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Kids. Not married? Yeah, married. Mar- okay, married with kids. How many kiddos? Two. Two. Okay, and how old are you? Uh, 42. 42. Take us home here. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, take life uh, easy, I would say. I mean, I was uh, probably stressing myself too much at that age
1: guys. There we have it. Yellowdig, 830 universities use the platform to help students manage both courses, a number of seats. They had over 200,000 paid seats in 2021. Broke a million dollar run rate back in 2020, just after their pivot. They raised a 2.5 million seed when they launched in 2015. The 3.5 million sort of series A, they closed out last year. Now looking at doing a series B sometime this year. Call it, raise it between 10 and 20 million bucks. We'll see if they can get it done. EdTech is hot. They have a team of 30, of which 12 are engineers and a five-person sales team. They're looking at scaling. Shanok, thanks for taking the top.
0: Thank you so much.